Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative types about how they do their thing. And this week, my guest is my old friend, Tom Judson. He is the musical director for Charles Bush. They recently did a show here in L.A. that I got to go to, and it was terrific. Uh, Tom is also an entrepreneur. He started a t-shirt line that we talk about called Tom's Trendy Tees. And some of you may know him as adult film star Gus Maddox, um, who had quite an avoir. I don't even know if that's a word, but uh, he made quite a splash in that world, too. And I didn't even mean that to be dirty, but now it's dirty and I'm embarrassed and it's kind of annoying. And Anyway, before we get to that, I want to uh, encourage you to go to DennisAnyone.net. There you will see pictures that go with some of the podcasts. All of them are archived there. You can also email me or donate to my virtual tip jar that helps me cover the expenses of uh, doing the podcast. And um, I always appreciate that. I also have a Patreon page where I post one special episode a month for special Patreon sub- subscribers, and you can find that at patreon.com and just search for Dennis Anyone. And I appreciate all the support that I get in any way. It means a lot. Um, and here, without any further ado, is Tom Judson. Hey there, I am here in the West Hollywood hotel room of my friend Tom Judson, our guest today. Hello. Hi, Hi Dennis. How are you doing? You're here playing and being musical director for Charles Bush. I am. We had two shows last night, two shoot shows this week um, at uh, Rockwell Table and Stage. They're both fantastic, I'm happy to report. Uh, were we a good audience? I went last night. It was really you fun. Were, you were the best audience I've ever had. No, really? No. Uh, both audiences were really, really great. I have to say it was really thrilling playing here because... For some reason, we've Charles and I have been working together for five years. We've played all of, I mean, all over the world at this point, and we have never been able to find a venue in LA. And so we finally got one, and it it really worked out great. It was really fun, and you guys have great chemistry together. And I Thank love you. when you sing duets. It's very fun. We do you have a lot of duets in your repertoire that you do? We do. We always have. Uh, I think we always have at least two. Yeah. In each edition of the show that we do, and there. Are, or three in this edition, as a matter of fact. I love that. Um, how come you guys get a click so well? What is it about you together? That's an interesting question. I've never really pondered why we get along together. Well, we've known each other for 30-plus years. Um, in 1985, I saw one of Charles's first plays at this little tiny venue in the East Village called the Limbo Lounge. I was so taken it's in the period of my life when I was writing music. So I went back the next week with my little cassette of my little songs, and I got up the nerve to say hello to him afterwards and said, if you ever want somebody to write music, I'd love to do that. And sure enough, they were in the process of putting together the first commercial production of Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. That's awesome. And they needed a couple of pieces of incidental music, so I contributed those. And so we've been friends ever since. Was he happy with what you did? Yeah, very happy. I, one, one was just, they were using the song Maniac, and they couldn't because they didn't have the rights. So I had to rewrite Maniac. The, the Michael Sambello Flashdance song? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then the first one, there were, that production of Vampire Legends was actually two separate one-act plays. And so the first act was something called Sleeping Beauty or Coma. Right. And there was a theme song. For it, which I wrote. That's so cool. I saw Vampire Lesbians here in Los Angeles in around like 1990. So I probably saw. Yeah, heard probably. Your music. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I think they just transplanted that production here. I love that. What's your favorite number to do with Charles? What do you look forward to a lot? Do you mean duetting or just playing? For Either him? way. 
Well, in terms of duets, let's see. You know, it's funny because one, one of the ones you heard last night is this two Michelle Legrand songs that we put together, which I, it, it's very effective. Everybody, you know, they're gorgeous songs. Right. But I'm always terrified of doing those songs because the arrangement I wrote is so crazy difficult and to have to sing and play at the same time. Whenever we have that duet in the show i'm always happy once we get past you got that through point it. so it's very beautiful it's what are you doing the rest of your life and then what's the other song the love theme from the umbrellas of cherbourg right right right. yeah and, and it, is, it is very effective and and i think we do a good job with it but like i said it makes me but very glad when it stresses stopped. me out um there there are a couple there's um this in while we're on tour in here in California, there's, we're actually doing two different shows. The, the one you saw, which is sort of a potpourri of yes. things we like, and then the other show, which we're doing this weekend on Friday and Saturday in Palm Springs, it's called The Lady at the Mic, and it's actually a show that was commissioned by Lincoln Center last year. Oh, how cool! Yeah, it was very cool. It's a very exciting night, at Lincoln Center, and it's um, a tribute Charles pays to five female singers that he was friends with who are now gone. Who? Um, Julie Wilson, Polly Bergen, a woman named Mary Claire Heron, who is not as well known, but was very influential in the New York cabaret scene. Right. Elaine Stritch and Joan Rivers. Oh, wow. Who, of course, is not a singer, but right. they, what were, is, they were very close. W- Charles Bush was close with Joan? Yeah, very close. Yeah. What do you, what's the Joan chunk? I'm just curious because I've worked with her, you know. Uh, oh, that's right. Of course you have. Yeah. Um, he just has a lot of anecdotes about her. Yeah. And... It's bracketed by um, a little bit of music. And then, in that show, actually, we closed the show. We found the perfect song, Quiet Please There's a Lady on Stage, the Peter Allen song, which was actually played at Joan's funeral. Oh, wow. Um, Hugh Jackman performed it. Amazing. So, it ties in perfectly with our show on the whole. But also is specific to Joan. Oh, so I would love to see that show as well. It's 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 really strong. I have to say. Was it exciting to perform at Lincoln Center? Oh my God! It was it was one of the most exciting nights of my life because it was totally packed audience. I, what venue there? Because I think of Lincoln Center as a complex of different. This is the Jazz at Lincoln Center venue, okay. which is in the Time Warner Building, right okay. on Columbus Circle, which is so beautiful. The entire back wall behind the stage is glass from floor to ceiling. Looks out onto Central Park and Columbus Circle. It is the most glamorous room you've ever seen in your life. That's right. So you're thinking, just don't fuck it up. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever had anything go wrong when you're performing with Charles? Nothing disastrous like a train wreck. Right. There there have been a couple times that... um, A couple times that Charles would just sort of have a false start. And so we'd start... Once like Adele did it. Adele did it. And yeah. once, in fact, we, we just released a CD of, of one of our live performances at 54 Below in New York City. Oh, that's cool. And sure enough, that's the night that, for the first time, I screwed up the entrance to a song and started over. And <laughs> Charles left it in. <laughs> he left it in the, it's in the CD? What's the name of the CD so people can find it? Charles Bush Live at 54 Below. Or I think it's Charles Bush Live at Feinstein's 54 Below. I love it. Okay, and it's on iTunes and... iTunes and Amazon, yeah. Can we stream it on Spotify? That's a good question. I will, I I will explore that. Okay. So when you're not touring the world with Charles Bush, you have started a sideline job that is so much fun. Yes, it started as a hobby. So yes. It started as something personal that 
turned into a little tiny sideline. I love it. It's these t-shirts that I'm doing, as many of us have were. I was so profoundly affected by the election. Right. And I was feeling so frustrated, and I just somehow had to make a statement. So I found this website online where, you know, there are many where you can make your own t-shirts. Right. And I made a couple of anti-Trump t-shirts just so I could wear them. I felt, felt like I was doing something. And I just started making a few more. And a friend of mine said, you know, there are so many people who are feeling the same way. If you put these on Etsy, you might sell a few. Right. So I did and did sell a few. And then the way this all expanded, the the designs expanded. I When I was a kid in the 1970s, I used to go to all the Broadway shows and would get the T-shirts from them. And it felt so cool that I was, you know... 14 years old and wearing Broadway show t-shirts. And over the years, those got misplaced. And I've always thought it would be really fun to have them. I love how you said misplaced. Because <laughs> I think they... You're, okay, you're, mom, you're, mom tossed them. <laughs> exactly. It was so generous of spirit. I have a lovely mother, the most yeah. unsentimental woman in the world. Yeah. So um, I realized that I could actually recreate them. So you could recreate t-shirts for shows that never had t-shirts. Yes, and I thought that would be more fun rather than wearing the T-shirt from a chorus line. Right. To wear the T-shirt from Anyone Can Whistle. Right. Which, of course, never had a T-shirt because it was a big flop and they didn't have Broadway show T-shirts. So I started doing that and it became just this project to hunt down the poster art for flop Broadway shows and somehow manipulate the image. In many cases, I would just have to recreate them from scratch and put them on a t-shirt and it became so fun in fact i mentioned you bruce valanche ordered a few of them that's amazing yeah, he's the like t-shirt the t-shirt king, king right well yeah and he, he's been sending me pictures he like he went backstage to see glenn close at sunset boulevard and was wearing one of my shirts and said right. so it's been very fun but bruce valanche wrote a broadway musical oh did he i didn't know that platinum it was a, a, a sort of a takeoff on sunset boulevard okay started alexis smith it was in the 1970s and so I made a platinum T-shirt and just sent it to him as a surprise. As a surprise. Oh, that's so nice. So what did, just, he, did he respond? He said, "Hmm, I think I recognize that." Yeah, I love it. <laughs> what are some of the musicals that you have fake T-shirts for? Um, fake, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Well, a uh, bunch of Sondheim shows. Um, Anyone can whistle. Do I hear a waltz? Uh, gosh. Here, I'm going to, excuse me for one second, I'm, it, rather than fumfer around, I'm actually going to look at the... First of all, I love the word fumfer. Second of all, I'll describe the shirt you're wearing now. It says Vera Charles in Midsummer Madness with Byron Prong. And film buffs will probably recognize those words as uh, being a show within a show in anti-MAME, right? Yes, in anti-MAME, when the stock market crashes and MAME goes broke... Her dear friend, Vera Charles, the first lady of the American theater, puts her Mame in a small role in a new play she's trying out in New Haven. And Mame makes a disaster of it. Well, this image, it's the poster outside the theater. There's one, there's this one second shot outside the theater. And so I did a screen capture and then recreated the poster on a T-shirt. So you're very good at Photoshop, clearly. I'm actually quite good at Photoshop. I'm impressed. Mm. And uh, you've also started getting into the movie, you know, obscure movie stuff. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah. like, one, which I was, uh, kind of tickled me. There was, um, 
in The Godfather Part 2, right. young Vito Corleone, Robert De Niro, when he first gets going, his front organization, his front business, right. it's called Genco Import Company. Right. And there's even a dress on Mulberry Street. So I just made up this t-shirt, the, the business design for Genco like- Import Company, Olive Oil Cheese, 154 Mulberry Street. It's so cool. I love and, it. And uh, it's so funny because the um, Tribeca Film Festival this year, their closing night is going to be a gala at Radio City Music Hall of a screening of both Godfather Part oh, that's 1 amazing. and 2 with the entire cast there. Incredible. So, so of course, I'm going to wear that t-shirt. Yeah, are you going? That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. So the people that would love those shirts, it's kind of a small niche for each shirt, but they're going to love it with all their hearts. Right, right. Well, the one that you and I were talking about, yeah. one of my favorites, is... The opening credits to What's Up, Doc, for those who may remember, it's a very old-fashioned movie kind of thing, was a big photo album, a big album. Right. And presumably Barbara's hand opening the album, then turning the pages, and each page is the credits for the movie. And the final page before the movie itself starts is a drawing of a plaid overnight case with the words, Once Upon a Time, There Was a Plaid Overnight Case. So I captured that image, and that's on a T-shirt. I love it. I think that's the one I would get. But this is so cool. The cool thing about it is you don't have to print up these shirts. They are made to order. So exactly. you don't have, a, like, a garage full of stuff. Or... Exactly, yeah. It's really great. And, and I was very happy to find out the turnaround time is really fast. I mean, usually, usually people get them... Within a week or ten days. That way you can have like a hundred. You already have a hundred plus designs. Yeah, I've got about one hundred and fifty designs That's up there. So yeah. amazing! What was the first Trump ones that you did? What the first, the- first Trump one. The first Trump one was not my own design. Right. I found an image that some artist had actually posted on Wikipedia right. with a note saying, "Please use this." Oh, it's, I love it's it. It's open for for business. Yeah. And it was Trump as a turd. <laughs> so I printed that up, and that was on a shirt. Yeah, with, with the hashtag unprecedented. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, the, but then the first one of my own design that I did—it's a big fried egg with the slogan "This is your brain on Trump." Oh, that's clever. Yeah. Now you live in a conservative part of New York. You live I in do. upstate. I live in the Hudson Do you Valley. wear your anti-Trump shirts? I do at a general store. And I stuff? do. It's really interesting though because. They're so oblivious to everything <laughs> that I've never even noticed anybody looking askew yeah. Yeah. when I wear these shirts, which just sort of confirms my thought about the Trump voters is that they just haven't a clue. <laughs> they don't see what's right in front of them. Um, so uh, how can people go buy your shirts? Well, they find it, it's not, they're on Etsy. Okay. Etsy is it's funny. It's a very difficult site to navigate around. They also have this weird rule that you can't have spaces in the name of your shop. So my shop is called Tom's Trendy Tees. T-O-M-S-T-R-E-N-D-Y-T-E-E-S with no space. But I've discovered the easiest way to get there is to just put that phrase directly into Google. Yeah. And that'll take you there. That'll take you there. So, Ra- rather than going to Etsy first, it just it's and you can get any design you want in white or black. Um, it's perfect for anti-Trump folks. It's perfect for people that love obscure musicals, and it's perfect for people that love uh, kind of 
inside film reference. Very esoteric movie. Yes. Like, oh, okay, here's... here's I saw the Hitchcock thing. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've just started this new series. It's the card in the titles directed by. Okay. So I've got a, a directed by Peter Bogdanovich, a directed by Douglas Sirk. Right. And, and it's the actual credit. It's the actual artwork in the credits. And, um, uh, yeah, like, first is the Alfred Hitchcock one. One thing that I like to do, I don't like to just slap it up there. If yeah. there's some way that I can find the distill the best parts of the design into a t-shirt. Right. For instance, the Alfred Hitchcock from Psycho yeah. one. It's a great Saul Bass design, and there are these lines that go up and down, and at one point, his credit is bisected horizontally and moves back and forth. Right. But that doesn't actually take place while directed by is on the screen. Oh. So I combine the best things to make it, as I said, distill the Right, the elements the concept, of the yeah. design that may not be in that exact moment exactly. to bring them yeah. in. What's your biggest seller? Do you have one that's really sold the most? I have the biggest seller, ironically, yeah. it's the Cecil Beaton artwork from the Catherine Hebert musical Coco. Okay. That's the biggest seller I've had. Isn't that that's amazing? Isn't that crazy? There's some Coco fans out there. I love it. <laughs> I'd never heard of this ever. And this shirt that I'm wearing now, the yeah. Midsummer Badness from from Auntie Mary. Yeah, but when when we just had breakfast and when we were um, eating, you told me about this idea that you love that somebody will see the, somebody in that shirt, and and if they connect to that obscure reference, it'll be like the most fun thing that's ever happened. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love it. So check out Tom, Tom's Trendy Tees online. Now, uh, you wrote a book. I remember reading it and really enjoying it. It's, oh, been a, it's been a while now. Is it still... Can people find it? Yeah, it's still on Amazon. It's called Laid Bare. Laid Bare. And it's just... It was, it's actually a, a compendium of essays and magazine columns that I wrote. You're a very good writer. I remember That's really Dennis. enjoying it. Thank and you. just different things, different things in your experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, Charles mentioned last night that you you had a career in gay porn as yeah, Gus Maddox. Gus Maddox. When, when, when did you finish, um, so to speak? <laughs> <laughs> it was a very happy ending. Yeah. It was, I think, I was just in the business for two years. I guess it was, well, I, I was working 93, 94, so yeah. the movies were out 94, 95. 94, 95. Yeah. So now, do, you, do yeah. you have people that come to Charles' shows and, and are Gus Maddox fans and... Do you, do you ever meet them afterwards, or is that is that something that comes up when you're out there on so the road, speak. as it were? Um, yes, but it, it's we were actually just discussing this last night. As a matter of fact, Charles once in a while, as he did last night, will mention it in the show. Right. Not always, though. But when he does mention it, I have the feeling. It gives people in the audience who might know of that part of my career, it gives them license to come up right. and talk to me about it. Right. Because that's sort of the only time that people do mention it to me. Right. I think they might, they either they're uncomfortable or they might think that they're somehow respecting Right, he doesn't want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is, yeah. nothing could be further from the truth. I, I, it was two of the most fun years of my life and I've nothing bad to say about the gay porn business. What was the best part? What was the worst part? There really was no worse part. Yeah. Uh, I, in fact, I, uh, the best part, say, was there a best part? There were a couple of movie shoots that were so much fun that yeah. I remember them very, very fondly. In fact, the last movie I did was a cult movie. It was called Big Rig. Right on. And we shot at that that um, that gas station diner set out in the desert. Do you know Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it, was, it was just... It was you were like, on location. It was like a party. It was yeah. so great. Um, there was no worse time. Uh, when I was doing porn, 
a frequent question I got because I was I was forty five when I started. Right, okay? I was old, and a question that people would ask me a lot was, "How long are you going to do this?" And I said. The day that I walk onto a set and don't want to be there, that's going to be my last day. Right. I actually quit before that. That's day. good. So well, I'm, that's why I'm, you're still having a good time. I, yeah, I won the Gay VN yeah. Performer of the Year award, and it's funny, right up here, it was, you know, and I was at the Ramada right up here on Santa Monica. Where were the awards held? They were at, uh, I think they were at Mickey's, maybe. Yeah, awesome. And um, I, a friend of mine was staying in the room with me. And, she and I were lying in bed, you know, holding up the award. And yeah, I like that Faye Dunaway picture. Exactly, from yeah. The famous and, Oscar picture. And I, I turned to her and I said, Oh my God, my career's over. Yeah. Because so I'm 45. It's not like I have anywhere to go. Right. So I thought, Well, if I leave now, it'll yeah. make a big splash. It's interesting that you only did it for two years because it feels like longer. It feels like there's more out so there, speak. so to speak. Yeah. I have a Do theory you, about that. It, it's interesting. Like, somebody can make a big splash and get out, and you feel like... Well, there. I guess there. that is one element. But I think the main reason is because I was so old. Yeah. People just assumed I'd been doing it for a long time. <laughs> it's like, oh, this 45-year-old, he must have been in the business forever. Right, right, right. And I think that's the main reason. Now, I think it's a whole different... I think it was a good time for you to do it because it feels like now it's all different and then I don't know if anyone's buying anything. Everything's free. I don't know. I I really haven't kept in touch with with, uh, too many people from the business. So I don't really know what's going on, but it's, of course, it's very Everyone has to be on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, my God. It's a whole thing. And and I do know that, not that I made tons of money, but I do know that the scene fee has dropped dramatically. I I don't know if any... People get paid hardly anything at all. It's crazy. Now, you went off Facebook mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago. I don't know. And I love to hear why people do it. Because I sometimes, sometimes I, I don't know, it's something that has to be managed. And there are times where I'm just scrolling through and I'm like, well, that just made me feel bad. And I didn't need that. Yeah. Um, yeah I, well, I was, you know, I was a Facebook whore like the rest of us. And uh, it is great if you're promoting something. It's really invaluable for that. Uh, and I was. I was either promoting my book or when I was doing my solo cabaret show. So I did have stuff to promote, and it was helpful. But there were a couple things. One, the inconsequential stuff that people post about, it almost made me sad to think that somebody felt the need to, Like, I'm going to dish my niece. Right. But um, my... I'm, thank God you finally brought it up, because I was going <laughs> to say something. <laughs> <laughs> my my brother-in-law, unfortunately, died a couple of years ago. Yeah. Fifteen minutes later, my niece is posting, you know, her tragic story on Facebook. And I thought, wow, this is, this is kind of not good. And so that was one thing. I was like, wow, this is really, really weird. And, but the other thing is that I really got so frustrated when... I or someone else would post something that was sort of an interesting topic and then comes and it would veer off topic and go into something else completely different. I thought, you know what, if you want to talk about something else, start your own thread. Right. And there's one thing it was my, my nose got bent out of joint, but I was, um, when I, for a while I was creating poster art for Charles and my show. Amazing. And, these Photoshop montages, and there was one that I did that Charles and I were riding in a dinosaur. And so I posted it, and within three threads, three comments, 
it got off into something totally. I thought I just spent three days working on this thing, and yeah, you know, six, so I just got into a snit. You just got into a snit, and and got just canceled my account. And there's not been a single moment that I thought I made a mistake. There you go. I think it's interesting yeah. people, how people manage that in their lives. Okay, I picked some questions for you from the observation. Uh oh. So we'll rattle through them. Can I answer them first? Blue. Yeah. <laughs> like Karnak the Magnificent. Blue. Yeah. Um, what color are your balls? <laughs> no? Palermo. Exactly. Who are your teen crushes? Like oh. movie stars or TV stars or whatever. Oh, well, um, I remember I loved the big poster of Mark Spitz that my sister had in her room. Remember that? With yeah. the mustache and the seven and gold the, medals? Sure do, yeah. yeah. I love that. And the red, yeah. white, and blue Speedo? Mm, yeah. Who else was there? I think I probably liked Davy Jones when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. How'd you learn the facts of life? My cousin. Your cousin? Mm-hmm. Male or female? Do you mean... To told you. Like, talk to you about it. Oh, how do you, how yeah, do you yeah, remember a male like, cousin? No, male cousin told I, you. Yeah, told My male it. cousin told me, and I didn't believe it. Mm. I thought it sounded preposterous. So I, I, it wasn't until a neighbor backed that story up. Yeah, it was, right I was after, like, it was, wow, it was okay, right maybe after, there's something to that. Right made me suck his dick. Oh, really? So <laughs> made probably didn't even make me. <laughs> yeah. So there was already. So there was. Yeah. And then you got the, the, yeah. the then. Uh, and to demonstrate. Yeah, and to demonstrate just how it works. Wow. Um, that's wild. <laughs> you, is he still around, that cousin? <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right. What did you get picked on for when you were a kid? Being a faggot. Yeah? Every single day. They would say it. Uh, just there, there, there was this group in school. I mean, I remember this one kid. He would literally follow me down the hall. Faggot. faggot yeah. Faggot. Oh, God. That's why I have not been able to reclaim that word. Right. Fag I can deal with, but faggot to me is always, it's... It's a sharp stick in my side. Wow. Did teachers ever do anything? Nothing. And I know that some of them were aware of it. Right. I know they were. And nobody ever did anything. And it was funny. It was the 70s. And so even, you know, I had tons of friends that were all girls. Right. Even they couldn't really defend me because it would mean addressing it. Yeah. And it was before the time that we would address, would address that it. Stuff. It's like, that didn't happen. That's yeah. just, oh, I'm so sorry. That it, it was awful. a very, 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 school for me was like equal parts, really wonderful and really horrible. Right. But you were, I bet you were really good in academics and music and yes. all this stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Cause you're so talented. You're good no, at so many different stop, things. Stop. It's true. Please. Music and writing and <laughs> graphics and t-shirts and, uh, and you did some Broadway tours, right? Or yes, I did too. I did cabaret and 42nd street. Awesome. Tours or were you in tours, Manhattan? Yeah, tours. That's cool. I, I did cabaret on Broadway briefly, but the other, the rest mostly was touring. What's your favorite memory of cabaret? The day that I left the tour, it was it was a great show, but touring is very difficult. Yeah, you were I, done. I was out for almost two years, so it was, wow. It was rough. Who were the Sally Bowles at that time? Oh, I had quite a roster. We opened with Terry Hatcher right here at the, at the Warner. Yes, um, the Boulevard. I saw that. Oh, did you? Really? Yeah, I was right. there for that. Yeah, oh, I remember you. Yeah, you were in the audience. I was. <laughs> um, uh, Terry Hatcher. Then we got Jolie Fisher. Okay. And when we opened in San Francisco, Debbie and Carrie came. Oh, that's amazing. And I remember it was funny because all the kids in the show were like, oh my God, Carrie Fisher is here. And I'm like, fuck Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds is here. Right. Faggot. Uh, then- <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm sorry. I, 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 I couldn't help it. Then we had Leah Thompson. Oh, wow. And then... As you've never seen her before. She was really good. She yeah. has an amazing singing voice. You'd never know it. Who knew? I don't think she's ever sung in every movie. Yeah. And then, I think... Then next was a woman called Kate Schindel, who Broadway people will know, because she's 
I think she's, she's, I think she's president of equity right she's now. She's in Fun Home right now. Oh, is she doing? And that's right. She has a butch haircut, and Did she does a it? really good job. Yes. You know, Lisa Crone, is a, who wrote the book of Liberty, is a very, very old friend of mine. We worked together tons. In fact, this is a secret for the listeners out there. In spite of the fact that Lisa goes around saying, well, this is the first musical I ever wrote. It's not. It's not. Lisa and I wrote Dyke Bar, the musical. Right. And she's now, it's not on her, I didn't see that in her bio. I know, she, it's, she's, it's the child she won't Yeah, own. I love it. All right. <laughs> um, what's your favorite memory of 42nd Street? Um, that was a really good Did time. You tap? No, 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 I'm not you... a dancer at all. Yeah. I, I, pl- I played, of course, Oscar, the rehearsal pianist. Right. That was a really, really good company. We, we got along really famously. It was, it was, again, it was touring, so it was rough. Yeah. My favorite memory, well, actually, you know what my favorite memory was? We was I'm going to pull everything together. Yeah. It was, I went into porn right after 42nd Street. Right. And I'd met Shishi LaRue in Minneapolis six months earlier. So we had this rendezvous in LA, which happened to be the, my last stop. Right. So we got together. I shot my first scene in a porn movie on a Tuesday afternoon and then left and went to the Amundsen. I love that. To get into costume and makeup for 42nd Street. And there was one moment during the show where I thought to myself, Wow, my life is unbelievable. Oh, that's awesome. Did anyone in this show know what you were doing? Yes, because I was so thrilled. I went around and told everybody. I love it. I said, you're not going to believe it. I did a porn movie today. Was there something about... <laughs> what, what What was so exciting? What was the excitement about? Just like, um, I, I've always wanted to do this. I've always been curious about it. Or well, there, was there it was, validating There was an way? element of that. Um, the fact that, you know, here I... Like I said, I was 44 when yeah. I met Shishi. And she asked me to be yeah. in a porn movie. I mean, who at 44 years old, who's not going to be flattered at yeah. that? And, of course, I, you know, I thought about it, thought about it before, right. what it would be like. And I, at that point in my life, I had, I had nothing to prove, and I had nothing to, to worry about, really. Because right. I was very established who I was personally. Right, yeah, right. So, um, very comfortable in your own skin. And, and it was... I wasn't even the first time. I wasn't the slightest bit nervous. It was totally fun because it's making a movie. I mean, even though there's like actual yeah. sex involved, it's still making a movie, and it's a very interesting slash dull process. Right. Interesting. I love it. Who's your most surprising fan? Um, Harvey Firestein. I love that. That's cool. What has he said to you? Is he a fan of your music stuff, or is he a fan of the porn? Or I both? somehow found out that he was a big fan of Gus Maddox, my yeah. my porn name. So, um, through a friend, I got his address and, and I dropped him out. I said, I said, uh, I think I said something like, I, I understand that you may be a fan of mine. If that's true, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to death. And he wrote me back a postcard. What is I think he said, dear Tom, who's not a fan of yours? Give me their name. Oh, that's so <laughs> sweet. I like it. You gave, you gave us a little hint of Harvey's voice in there. Have you met him? <laughs> no, I've never met him. Yeah. That needs to happen. Mm-hmm. That's good. Have you ever written a fan letter? I have. I've written a few, but my first fan letter, I was probably 10, and I wrote a letter to Eve Plum. Oh, wow. I was That's a, amazing. Huge, She's probably like... Huge Brady Bunch fan. But you, you're not Marsha? She was my favorite. Yeah. And, and then years later, I was living in the city on, on 45th Street, and my friend Jan, ironically... Who was living in the building? She comes over one day, say, "Oh, Tom, this is my friend Eve from L.A." And it took me a couple minutes. Yeah, and I was like, 
oh my god, it's yeah. Plum. And I made a total fool of myself. Do you tell her about fan letter? I, yes, I like uh, virtually melted yeah. into a puddle. And Why did you like Jan so much? That's not the obvious choice. I'm not sure. I don't. I yeah. don't remember what the reasoning behind that was. But, All right. But it was. It was. Oh, and then and then one time when I was out here, she and I went to Disneyland together. That you went to Disneyland. With I went Eve to Plum? Disneyland with Eve Pump, and we were on. It's a small world, and there was a traffic jam, and we were stuck in the boat between two languages. <laughs> <laughs> That is, if you're thinking, oh my god, I have an amazing life. Yeah, Again, you yeah. probably thought that. Yeah, it was, that was pretty cool. Wow, that's so wild. Does she recognize all over the place at, at Disneyland? She was not, no. Awesome. I, I love that. I think, I think people can make themselves anonymous. Yeah, I love that. Where's the weirdest place you've ever been recognized? I actually don't, can't think of anything that's interesting good. about that. What's a voicemail that was left on your machine that you played more than once? Oh God! Um, this is going to be totally sentimental and yucky. I love sentimental and yucky. Just um, when after my husband Bruce died twenty years ago, I found one from him and just I and I, I not only played it several times, but, you know, I preserved it. So, you, but you didn't know that you kind of had it. Right, you found it a while. I probably heard it before. Right, but, but you kind of forgot about it and discovered it. How long after you passed it did you discover it? I think I think shortly after that. Oh wow, yeah. that's amazing though. Mm. And it was just just a normal everyday voice message. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Um, there's a I have a message on my phone from just a friend that I have that, that passed away, and I, I don't want to delete yeah, it. Yeah. It's weird. What's the worst costume or uniform you've ever had to wear for work? Um. I've only really ever been a waiter, so... Yeah. So, so that normal like, stuff. What about, like, in porn? Did you ever have to do any kind of, like, biz, you know, you're a construction worker or any of that? Did you ever do any of those kind of things? Yeah, but it was, you know, I was, was always fine. I was always the butch top, so, so they, was, they were going to make me look silly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's your brand. Don't fuck with my brand. What's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? <clears throat> the worst thing that ever went wrong for when I was doing my solo show called Canned Ham. Which I at, saw. At uh, Casa de Campo. At, yeah. Uh, Casita del Campo, yes. And one night, I, and I started out the show in a jockstrap, one night I came out on stage to start the show and realized I had to pee so badly that there was no way I was going to make it through an 80-minute show. So I finished and I, holding the accordion in a jockstrap. I finished the opening number and said, guys, I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and went off stage. There's that, and then oh, the other thing. I love I, that you did that. The real, the real truth <clears> is that. Is that here in Casino Campo when yeah, you did it? Yeah, right here, right here. That's right. Um, I when I was touring with Cabaret, yeah, I was a swing, so I was in the orchestra on stage every night, but I wasn't in one of the roles. And one of the nights that I was on for one of the guys, and I'm not a dancer. I'm a horrible dancer. In the opening number, there was one moment where. I was holding the clarinet and I had to hand it to a girl and then lift her. And so I handed her the clarinet from down on my knees, lifted her, dropped her, fell on top of her, <laughs> and then said, oh, fuck. Yeah. Right into a live mic. There you go. What, how did she react? <laughs> she laughed, thank God. Yeah. And it was the, that moment in the number was so cacophonous and crazy. Right. 
None of the cast members even realized it had happened. Yeah. So I realized the audience, of course, didn't know either. That was good. But I was mortified. Yeah. Well, because, you know, things happen. What's the most trouble you ever got in in school? <clears throat> oh, I think probably just, like, skipping out. Yeah. Nothing major. No, you were a good no kid. Major, yeah, I mean, there was no major trouble. Uh, where's the? This might be fun. Where's the place you've ever seen your own image? Were you ever somewhere and there's just boom, Gus Maddox on someone's screensaver or something like that? Um, I think I forget. I forget where it was. It was some? It was either. I think it was somewhere in Europe, and I can't remember. I was walking on the street, and there was a poster outside of a gay bar. You know, they have, sure. they, have they have random yeah. naked guys, and there was there was me advertising yeah. the bar. Don't you hate when people take images and Photoshop them for their own needs? <laughs> so disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, it's so disrespectful. That's funny though. You were like, "Hey, hey, maybe you could get a free drink." Yeah, you know? I should have thought of that. Yeah. What was your most glamorous night? I, I think probably at Lincoln Center last yeah. year because it was it was spectacular. Was it one night? It was one night. It was a huge, completely packed audience. Lots of friends and family there, so it felt very, very glamorous and. and I mean, it was so it was so and great. Probably like celebs. Even last night here in L.A., there was like Joanne yeah, Worley. Yeah, we, and... we had a couple of. I mean, you know, celebs for theater people and, yeah. and inside movie people. But uh, like I said, it was so cool because in our show, I introduced Charles onto the stage. I yeah. come and sing, sing a little bit. So here at Lincoln Center, this amazingly gorgeous room, packed audience, and the announcer says, "Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tom Judson to the piano." I have never been so proud of my life. It That's was amazing. amazing. It was so That's great. so good. Yeah. Okay. What's the worst job you ever had? Um, selling uh, snacks at the Wolman Skating Rink concert venue in Central Park on roller skates. You were literally on roller skates? Yeah. That Are lasted you a good two skater? days, I think. Yeah, back then. Every, every yeah. Now. I think it lasted two days. Well, I mean, it sounds like it would be challenging. What was so awful about it? Well, you know, you're holding that thing like the old time cigarette girls, you know, with a strap around your neck. You could wipe out so easily. Oh, God, it was a nightmare. Nightmare. Yeah. All right. What song makes you cry? Moon River. Why? Well, it's a beautiful song. Yes. And I just, it wasn't like my song, our song with Bruce, my husband, but I associated it with our wonderful relationship. You guys were together how long? Six years. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tom, I'm so glad to see you here in L.A. Likewise, I'm so glad this happened. I'm so glad you were able to do this. Go check out his um, his uh, T-shirt line, Tom's Trendy Tees on Etsy. Is there anything else? You do Twitter, though, right? I am on Twitter. My handle is, you're not going to believe this, Tom's Trendy Tees 2, because Tom's Trendy Tees was taken. God damn it. Who does that? And he doesn't even post anything. Yeah. I think he has like three tweets. Yeah. What's something... Are you working on any other fun things that you're excited about? Because you compose. You do so many different things. At the moment, no. It's, it's yeah. really... It's the t-shirts, which I'm having so much fun. Yeah. And Charles. Working with Charles, That's which we have... Fantastic. I mean, beyond fun. It's really... Amazing. Where's the craziest place you've played? Three Oaks, Michigan. Yeah, he, he mentioned that in the show. I know last he night. talked about going from doing San Diego and Palm Springs, but in between having to go to Three Oaks, Michigan. <laughs> yeah. What is Three Oaks, Michigan? It's this little. It's it's like a little tiny crossroads yeah. uh, outside of Chicago, maybe an hour and a half or something outside of Chicago. Yeah, and I'm literally the railroad track running through the middle of town. It's yeah. this little hamlet, and this guy started the. This theater company there, yeah, and I think maybe they'd been doing one of Charles's plays, yeah. So he brought us out, and it was 
It was so nuts. It's a little, I mean, it was sweet, but it was this crazy little nothing of a town. And they put us up in this B&B and I guess thought it was okay to put us in the same room, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But it was the attic room. We actually had to climb up a ladder to get there. It was under the eaves. And so we refer to it as the Anne Frank suite. <laughs> Shh, don't say anything. <laughs> I love it. That's such an adventure, though, together. Do you guys have fun on the road together? Do you oh crack each God. other up? Totally crack yeah. each other up. We, I mean, we are always laughing. Yeah. It's really fun. I love it. I've always loved your ears. I love your ears. I'm just going to say it. I was thinking I wanted to say it. I've never said it out loud. You know, I remember... fabulous ears. Were they ever... Did you ever... Do you always like them? How do you feel about them? Dennis, I remember, like this was yesterday. Yeah. I was at the doctor's office, I think getting a vaccination, so I was probably five. Right. And Susie, the nurse... She, she'd give me the shot, and I was a good boy, so she gave me a little lollipop. Remember the string, the loop? The yeah, handle yeah, was yeah. a loop? Yeah. String? She gave me that, and I'm sucking on it. And she turns to my mother, and she says, you know, his ears can be corrected. Oh. I remember that it was like it was yesterday. Interesting. Did it really... No, it, it, you would think that that would totally fuck me up, but it hasn't. That's glad that you remember it. That, you yeah. know, that sucker or whatever. Um, <laughs> Every once in a while, I can remember, I'll, I'll like, be waiting in line for something, and the sun will be behind me, and I'm like, Wow. I'll see my shadow. I just love it. I think they're so awesome. Um, I'm so glad I got to do this. You're one of my favorite people. Um, Last question. You talked about getting teased when you were younger. If you could take yourself aside now and say something to that kid that got called a faggot about life or what was ahead or whatever, what would you say? I would say try to understand that this is about them and it's not about you. That's great. That's great advice. All right, Tom. This was so much fun. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, check out his T-shirts. Keep an eye out for Charles Bush uh, on the road, because if you see Charles, you'll probably see Tom tickling the ivories. Yay! And singing beautifully, too. Okay, bye! Bye! Thanks again to Tom Judson. Watch for him as he tours with Charles Bush, and also check out his T-shirt line on Etsy, Tom's Trendy Tees. Okay, so this happened. I went to Europe. I went to northern Italy, uh, a little... Um, boat manufacturing town called Monfalcone where the majestic princess cruise ship was being built and I I um put up a show that I co-created with my friend Scott Williams for the cruise staff on there it's called Lights Camera Action it's a green screen Hollywood themed show and it was a lot of fun so we did that for 5 days and then I went to Berlin for the first time I'd never been to Germany and uh I wanted to check it out and um I had a terrific time I actually did two podcasts from there uh, which I'll be posting coming up. And I also caught a bit of a cold, as you can see. Um, so I'm not going to subject you to too much more of my voice. But I do want to say that this also happened. When I got home yesterday, uh, Tom Judson had sent me one of his trendy tees. It's the What's Up Doc um, opening card image. And it says, Once upon a time, there was a plaid overnight case. And it's got the case. Anyway, I'm enchanted. It made me feel very happy when I got home. So um, I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to put it on and take a picture, maybe post it on the podcast page. You could check that out at DennisAnyone.net. And I'll be posting some stuff from Berlin that I recorded um, in future episodes. So thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye! Bye.